Uh, if you brought your Bibles, you can open them up to, uh, to 1 Peter uh, chapter 3. Verse 8 is really where we're going to land today. And uh, like I said, I, I don't have a lot of time, but I want to I scratch the surface. If you picked up one of our, uh, our, our bulletins, there's a place for you to take notes and sketches, man. Uh, I hope today leaves you with some questions and, and, and start some conversation. Uh, it's, uh, there, there's a longer section of this passage that I want you to dive into, but, but for today, I just want one verse, verse eight. Peter says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humble attitude. Peter's been talking to, to different, different groups. He's been talking to, to those in, in authority and those under that authority. He's been talking to, to slaves and to masters and to husbands and wives. And now he says, finally, all of you. And, and when he says all of you, he means all of you. He says, no one is exempt. And then he says, all of you should be of one mind. It's the, it's the only time that word's really used in the New Testament. Uh, it, it, it means to be single-minded or, or, or kind of this, it's this idea of divinely inspired harmony. Uh, it, it means that, that your insides should be the same. And I wish he would have said something else. I wish he would have said something maybe a little easier, right? Because let's be honest, single-mindedness is not our strong suit. Uh, most of us don't even have a single mind in our mind, right? <laughs> I love this scene. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, There's a Tom Cruise movie uh, uh, called The Last Samurai. Have you guys seen this? It's horrible. Don't go watch it. But in this movie... Tom Cruise gets captured, and he's, he's training to become a samurai, and he's, he's got the wooden sword, and he's just getting the heck beat out of him. The other samurais are just beating him every time he tries, every time he steps into the ring, like every time he just gets beat down, he gets beat down, gets beat down, and, and he can't seem to get it. He can't seem to figure out uh, this whole like sword fighting thing, and like the aged, wise samurai looks at him and says, too many minds. Have any of you ever felt like that? Like you have so many thoughts running through your head, you can't, to land on one or to land on just one idea or to focus on one seems insanely difficult. And yet this is exactly what Peter says for all of us. This is his instruction. I want you to be of one mind. It's this, this idea of unity which is thick in the New Testament. It's this idea that we're all parts of one body. You remember that language? Like you're all in this thing together. And he says, I, I want you to think together and move together. I, I, I want you to be united. But unity is hard. These are the deep thoughts for today. Unity is hard. To be single-minded, especially with others. It's hard to be united in, in Nashville with a church on every corner. 
uh, I was meeting with some pastors and uh, uh, some, some local ministers here, and, uh, and one of my guys, one of my pastor buddies, I, I told him, I said, man, I drive past your church every day, and every day I drive by your church, I make a commitment to pray for you, and I, I make a commitment to pray for your church. I pass it every day. It's, it's right outside my neighborhood. I drive past your church. I, I pray for it every day. And there was another pastor. He was sitting right next to him. He said, well, my church is next to his. Are you praying for my church too? I said, no. Why? Unity is hard. It's hard. I, I don't know if you know, but the roots of, the roots of this church were, were out of this thing called the unity movement. We, we hold unity up as this kind of lofty idea, and like, like there's churches all over Nashville, and one of our things, one of our, one of our big things is, man, we, we want to be united. We, we always talk about we want to lower our Aspen Grove flag and raise a kingdom flag. The, corner of Je- the cornerstone of Jesus' teaching was seek first the kingdom, right? Like he was not concerned about individual churches or, or the individual expression of your church or whatever language is used. He always wanted the kingdom. He even prayed it, right? May your kingdom come. He had this single-mindedness about kingdom, and it's, it's something that in, in Nashville, sometimes with churches everywhere, we struggle with. And, and we hate it when we see competition or animosity among churches. I was, uh, I was going to this other church here in the area. I was going to visit one of my pastor friends there, and, you know, they had the security on the door. So, I, you know, I buzzed, and one of the other ministers from the church came to the door and let me in. He didn't know me. He didn't know, he didn't know who I was. And I said, yeah, I'm here. I'm here to meet my friend, Pastor So-and-so. And uh, uh, the, this other minister for the church that, that met me at the door, he said, Oh, great, great. I'll, I'll go get him. And, and while we were, or kind of while we were walking to his office, he said, well, are you, are you part of a church? You go to church somewhere? And I said, yeah, yeah, I go, to, I go to Aspen Grove. And he said, no, you, you, need to, you need to leave that church and come and be a part of our church. And, and can, I, can I just be honest? Like, it just made me mad. And it just hurt my feelings. Because, man, like, as long as, like, like how, how are we going to be single-minded in this thing? As long as we look at each other as competition. And Peter says, look, look, look. I want you to be of one mind. I want you to lower your, your individual flags, and I want you to raise a kingdom flag. To say that prayer, your kingdom come, and mean it. But unity is hard. Good thing uh, cockroaches are great for creating unity. These are deep thoughts. I used to take uh, teenagers on mission trips. Uh, we, did a, uh, we did this thing we called an in-town mission. So we didn't go out of the country. We just stayed where we were. Uh, that's when I was in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, we went and served in the area of Arlington. Arlington is kind of squished between Dallas and Fort Worth, if you know that space. 
Uh, Arlington is nothing but, but apartment complex after apartment complex. And so we went and served in these apartment complexes during an in-town mission, and we stayed in the places where we were serving. So uh, I, I told the parents of these teenagers, I said, hey, we're, we're, we're going to be serving in this park, so we're, we're actually just going to sleep in the park. What? And we're going to be serving in these low-income uh, apartments. They're, they're kind of gross, but, but your kids are going to be safe, but they're kind of gross. We're going to be staying there. And w- during that week, while we stayed there, like literally we were laying on the floor in this one apartment, and there were cockroaches like crawling on us. I know it was pretty exciting. You know what happened? In-town mission became the one trip none of our teenagers would ever, ever miss. It became the one thing that our parents insisted. The uh, student ministries are always competing with band camp and football camp, and you know what I'm saying. But all of our parents would take their kids out of those camps and make sure they were at in-town mission. Why? Because that shared experience is what really creates unity. And, and especially shared struggle. Some of you are a part of a, we've, we've got an awesome group of senior adults called the Joy Group, the Horizons team. I don't know what it, you know, but some of you have been in the same Bible class for 30, 40, 50 years. And you have this bond that is unshakable, and I'm jealous for it. But you have that bond because of shared experience. You are united through shared experience. And Peter is writing to a group of Christians who are struggling They've been, they've been criticized and, and chastised and marginalized. And Peter says, you're, you're facing this difficult thing. You're in this thing together. And it will, have, it will have one of two outcomes. Shared experience will always have one of two outcomes. It will either make you or break you, right? And he says, I want you in the midst of this struggle to be of one mind. I want it to draw you together. I want it to unite you. Being a Christian should pull you in to each other. And then he said, maybe they asked, well, how do we do that? How do we be of one mind? How do we do that? I think that's actually the second half of this verse. I think, I think it's his prescription for one-mindedness. I think it's his prescription for unity. Look what he says. He says, be of one mind, and then he says, well, I, I want you to sympathize with each other. Maybe, maybe your translation says compassion. How do you be united? How do you be of one mind? You, you have this, this you, you feel the like of another. You have shared feelings. You don't isolate your feelings from the feelings of someone else. You share them together. This is how unity is created. And you love each other. He said, I want you to love each other's brothers and sisters. The word is Philadelphia, right? I want you to sympathize, and I want you to love, and I want you to be tenderhearted, and I hate that he put that word in there because I'm not. And I haven't been. A tenderhearted is this, he said, I, I want this, this thing, like, uh, it's, the, the language of that word is almost like, like, um, like having strong bowels. I know that sounds weird. But it, it's almost like, uh, Maybe you understand the expression on the gut level. He said, I want the thing that draws you together. Be, it's, 
it's inside your gut. It's, it's, it's deeper than, it's empathy, but it's, it's deeper than that. I want you to sympathize and love and be tenderhearted. But I also, I don't, don't let yourself be, be somehow inflated either. I want you to keep a humble attitude I want you to have, have lowliness of mind and a lowliness of an inner perspective. Don't think too highly of yourself. This is the path of unity. And, and if you look carefully at his prescription, like, like I don't want you to miss this part at all. Like, like he says, unity is an inside-out virtue. Do you see that? Where does unity begin? What is, is he talking about things that we do or things that we say? Or does he point at inner qualities of the heart? He said, unity starts inside out. Unity is an inside out virtue. And I need to give you this warning, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but Satan hates unity. He does. Satan hates harmony. And if he can, where there is unity, he will sow discord and division. Satan will sow division in your friendships. Satan loves discord in your marriage. And Satan will do everything he can to break the unity of the church. Do you know why? You know why Satan hates unity? Because real unity, real single-mindedness is incredibly powerful. Do you know what's been uh, uniting the world right now? Well, everyone else except for the United States of America. You know what it is? It's the World Cup. Do you guys know that? Do you, do you have a, this idea that there are people that play soccer? In fact, all of them, except for us, are playing soccer right now. And that's, that's consuming 100% of their energy and time and all of this kind of stuff. And, and so I need to give you a World Cup update. Uh, so the U.S., when we were in the running to make it into the, U, the, the World Cup, uh, the U.S., we have, uh, we have 325 million people. We have some of the best soccer slash football resources in the whole world. And we were playing in the easiest qualifying group, right? Uh, we just had to tie some, and we would have made it into the World Cup. Do you know what happened? We didn't make it. We stink. <laughs> we're no good. It, 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 I, it's true. We failed to enter the World Cup. But do you know who made it out of all the nations of the world? Iceland. No joke. I'm not joking. Iceland has a population of 350,000 people total. Total. You can fit more people than that in Cool Springs Mall. They've, 350,000 people total. They, they don't have nearly the money or the talent or the resources we had. And, and above that, Iceland played in the toughest qualifying group to get into the World Cup. And you know what? They won. They won their group. And you know what it created? 
I want to show you how. After the Iceland team won their qualifying game to, to make it into the World Cup for, I think, the first time ever, these athletes, they came back home. Remember, Iceland has a population of 350,000. And when they got off the boat or plane, I don't know how you get there, uh, but when they got home, 100,000 people were waiting for their team. And they do this thing as a team, as a symbol of unity, and to drive their strength and to demonstrate their strength together. They call it the Viking clap. I want you to see it. Here's what it looks like. Show that video. All right, I, I, know, I know our sound system can't do that justice, but can you imagine? Can you imagine what that must feel like? You think they feel it in their chest? You think they feel like they're part of something? Do you, do you see the power that unity has? My only problem with that is that's for a soccer team and not for the church. I want you to know that, like, like man, I want you to feel it. I want you to sense it. And, and Peter is calling for it, calling for it out of them. He is, says that you are part of something greater than yourself. And he reminds them of that, and we as Christians need to be reminded of that. And if, if there's no greater reminder, then I want to share with you the words of Jesus from Matthew 18, verse 20. He says, where two or three are gathered together, there I am with them. Do you feel the power of that? Jesus prays for unity. This is how important it is to Jesus. In his very last prayer on earth, he prays for you. He prays for us. And this is what he prays in John 17, verse 20. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one. Just as you and I are one, as, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Here's what I think. I think if you remember Peter's instruction that unity comes from the inside out, it's an inside out virtue. Here's what I think. I think that God has planted little kingdom seeds in each and every one of you. And if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, if you want to see his kingdom come, all of us must recommit ourselves to the inside-out work of unity. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. I'm going to send you to a time of unity. Around the room, we have the tables uh, set up. Uh, it's a great place for you to remember your connection to the Father. On each table are the elements of communion, the wine and the, the, the cup and the, and the bread. These represent the, the body and blood of Jesus poured out for you, poured out for each of us. 
so that we may know his love and forgiveness and acceptance. And, and maybe today, maybe you're feeling that call of Jesus to be one, to join with him. Man, we, we want to be here for you and accept you. Maybe you're ready to give your life to Jesus in baptism. I'm just going to move to the back and be happy to pray for you. But as you take these elements, recognize that you are uniting with the God of the universe, communing with him. Not to bring about your own kingdom, but to bring his. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for your word and, and for our time together. Thank you for reminding us about the power of, of, of unity in this calling. And, and Father God, I think you've planted these seeds in each of us. And God, maybe we've been afraid or maybe we've been too timid. Um, God, maybe, maybe we've broken the bonds of unity between, in our relationships or in our marriages. Father God, restore that now. Restore it in this place, in, in your son Jesus' name. God, I, I, I pray for the churches throughout this city. that we would lower our flags and that we would raise your flag. It wouldn't be about our name, but about your name, your name that is above every other name. Father God, we love you. Bless us as we enter into this time of communion, as we recognize the love and the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. It's only through him that this is possible. Bless us. In Jesus' name, everyone together says, Amen. Invite you to a time of communion together.